the reading of the scriptures from Genesis chapter 1, reading verses 1 to 2. I invite your reverent attention and also hearing in faith the public reading of God's word. <clears throat> in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was moving over the face of the waters. The word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God. Our uh, study that we are beginning, obviously the creation account, um, theocentric or God-centered uh, study of our origins, and I would remind you that it dominates all of theology. It's throughout the scriptures. Um, uh, cosmogony that's here, or again, uh, our origin uh, is not only in the physical universe, but as you know, it applies to our uh, spiritual creation uh, in, in Christ. It's also profoundly, I think, important for daily living. Uh, we all encounter events in life that are very, very difficult. Um, and yet, because God is the creator, he is able to deliver and save. And so it should, in that sense, evoke uh, our sense of trust and dependence, uh, that we can walk by faith because he is the creator, and that we can trust him, uh, and we can have meaning in our life as well as stability. Because God is the Creator. A reminder of that in our call to worship, Psalm 121. Uh, the psalmist is uh, about to engage on a somewhat of a perilous journey. And uh, he looks to the hills and asks, from where does my help come from? He confesses, my help comes from God. And how does he describe God? the maker of heaven and earth. Illustration that that theology is uh, everywhere in the Scripture. Uh, and it's essential that we grasp it uh, because what it means to our faith. That we know the Creator. Uh, we know the Maker. Uh, not just of our faith and our physical bodies, but of the circumstances all around us. The... Uh, text before us is that uh, God uh, creates the physical universe, obviously. In uh, chapters 1 to 11, we will learn that He will fill His creation with the nations and that He is sovereign over them because He's the Creator. He, de facto, sovereign over all the nations and all the peoples. Uh, in chapters 12 to 50, we will... Uh, go from the big picture to the beauty of the small picture, that God will create uh, one nation and elect sons in His spiritual creation. Scope all the way down from many to one, Abraham. And uh, you and I, by faith, are the sons of Abraham. Galatians, Paul teaches us. So again, you see... Uh, echoes of the majesty of the creation uh, extending into the New Testament. 
Uh, this morning, uh, the reality is, is that the creation is formed from chaos. And how is it formed from chaos? By, by the divine word. Uh, the divine word comes to chaos and speaks. Uh, and then in verses 3 following, we will learn uh, what, what occurs from the divine word. And that really is something of a picture of all of life. It's certainly a picture of the book of Genesis, but extends, I think, into all of our lives. Because there's a continual interplay between chaos and God beginning again and again and again. Because He's a Creator, that is what He does. We bring chaos and He begins again. So we can not only walk by faith, we can walk with hearts full of joy. Uh, and all of this, uh, uh, the resumption of chaos uh, will prefigure the coming of the true Son of God who, who will not fail and who thankfully will prevail with uh, Abraham and then the establishment of a nation from which you and I have our spiritual uh, origins. Uh, the history that is here, and it, it is history, but it's arranged theologically uh, to teach us about God and His power and His power and His providence. Uh, it's important to recognize that the, the writers of Scripture, uh, certainly in historical books, give us true, genuine history, uh, but the point of it is to teach us theology uh, so that we would learn and grow in the faith. And that we can have the hope that in the midst of chaos and judgment and sin and rebellion, God is able to keep and to save us because He is our Creator and Maker and Sovereign. Uh, in that sense, it's also, the book of Genesis, as you know, is a story of beginnings. It's a story of blessing and restoration from the divine curse that we will look at in Genesis 3 uh, with the purpose of affirming uh, for each of us, the importance of faith and obedience. As we watch rebellion and the chaos and judgment and darkness that it brings, it should remind us uh, to be circumspect and to be careful and uh, to walk by faith and to obey the great God. As you know, there are many uh, views on our origins. I mean, you read... Uh, um, different religions, they all have their account of the origins. Uh, what are we to make of that? Are there, are there many gods and different uh, historical accounts of our origins? No, they're just all counterfeits of the true thing. They, they just copycat, reminding us that Satan is the greatest counterfeiter of all time. Uh, contemporary with uh, Israel was uh, the worship of Baal. Baal was a creator. Uh, because what is Satan always doing? Counterfeiting what is true. This is true history. All the other religions of the world that have their creation accounts are just spinning myth. Reminder to us to hold fast to uh, that is true. Uh, in our culture, the most uh, 
prominent creation account, as you know, is evolution. Uh, inorganic creation, if you will, by time and chance that merges into organic creation by time and chance. Lots of time and lots of chance. Um, I personally obviously reject this because to me it's illogical. Uh, Order does not come from disorder. And matter is not eternal uh, because there are no uncaused causes except God who is eternal, who had no beginning or ending. Uh, And He creates all things by the word of His mouth and the word of His power. So everything has its origin uh, in Him. Um, Justin Taylor with the the Gospel Coalition surveys some of the problems with evolution. Uh, Survey them uh, very quickly. Chemical evolution cannot explain how life is generated by blind and guided chemical reactions. Chance. Uh, But again, how do you have uh, great specificity and marvelous things by unguided chemical reactions? Goes on to say, neither does it produce cellular complexity. Uh, the most obvious to me uh, problem with evolution is that paleontologists acknowledge that fossils appear suddenly and there is absolutely no record whatsoever in the entire fossil records of intermediates. Because God creates life. Thirdly, in genetics, new mutations do not create new species. Rather, they create offspring that are impaired. Again, I'm not a biologist or a scientist, theologian. uh, But uh, certainly as a wordsmith, I believe in logic. And I don't know how logically you can jump uh, from disorder and nothingness to order and beauty. So all of this to me, like the other religions of the world with their mythical accounts of creation, uh, this is just revisionist history that is myth meant to turn us. So everywhere in our academy, whether it be at the high school level or the university level, uh, teachers of biology are working diligently to turn people to myth in revisionist history. And while they accuse us of, of, uh, of faith, essentially their position is faith because theirs is a religion as well. Uh, my personal confession is, is I'm not the product of time and chance. And because I'm a son of God in God's creation, I have meaning and purpose. It's the importance of the creation account for you as an individual. Your life has meaning and purpose because of Him who in His marvelous grace and power and providence created you.
And so that brings us to Revelation. How do we know? Because God reveals Himself. And He reveals here that our origin is by divine creation. Uh, the first verse, when you look at uh, the syntax of the, the liturgy here, the first verse is a summary statement followed by a circumstantial clause. Verse 2. Uh, describing what I believe is a pre-creative state. Um, it's very popular in the Reformed uh, community to hold to creation ex nihilo, the Latin phrase that means out of nothing. Uh, certainly I believe, uh, uh, believe that, that God is able to create out of nothing. I just don't think it's here in this text. Uh, Many do, but I just don't. But more importantly, our origin is by divine creation. God created the heavens and the earth. Uh, the prepositional phrase, if you look at your Bibles, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning, means that this is the book of beginnings. Uh, everything about our faith is in the book of Genesis. It's in a smaller form that will be exploded in the New Testament, but it's all here. So we will learn about our great faith, our origins, not only physically, but spiritually. It's interesting, as you know, that the Apostle John alludes to Genesis 1.1 in his Gospel 1.1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Notice Word. What is creating the physical universe? The Word of God. And now Jesus comes upon the scene, and His spiritual Word is going to create spiritual life by His sovereign Word of divine fiat. So He's going to begin salvation history. It's in a microcosm form in uh, Genesis 12, Abraham. Uh, but it's he's the creator. Uh, think of uh, the Apostle Paul's words in Colossians chapter 1 and verses 15 to 17. Displaying the majesty of the creator of Christ, he's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. He wasn't born. It's his preeminence over all of creation. He's first. So it's his preeminence. Uh, our Savior, just like God the Father, uh, had no beginning and has no ending. Colossians 1.16, For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers and authorities, all things have been created by him and for him. He even created our arch enemy. And so we can walk by faith, can we not? Because he's in control as the creator of all things. And so, extolling the praises of the majesty of Christ, verse 17, he is before all things and in him all things hold together. When your life is spinning out of control, guess what? He holds all things together. Uh, fundamental to our faith is uh, the divine creation account. 
And the fact that when things seemingly are out of control, they're not. Because He's the Sovereign. Holds all things together. What a beautiful reminder. I'm not saying that our life sometimes don't spin out of control. They do. Uh, we are still the fallen sons of Adam. But we have a personal faith and the personal creator of our spiritual life. And He will hold us together. A beautiful illustration of this to me is the book of Acts. Um, Apostle Paul is in Philippi. He goes to what amounts to a Bible study. Uh, Gentiles that were uh, worshipers of God. And um, so a young lady there, but I say young lady, I don't really know her age, but uh, Lydia is listening to the word spoken of by Paul. And then the text reads, and the Lord opened her heart. That's the spiritual creation. Think about it theologically. He doesn't come and say, Lydia, I'll do 50 if you'll do 50. I mean, I'm, Lydia, I'm going to do my part if you want to do yours. I mean, that's a dangerous proposition. Not because it denies the Scripture and the spiritual Creator, but because the greater uh, question that nags away, have I done my part good enough? Our faith is rooted in the essentials of divine providence and creation. Of Him who holds all things together. And when He wants Lydia, He sends Paul. And Paul preaches. And then God intervenes in their spiritual life. So, put your name in there. The genius of it. The meaning, the purpose, the love of God. And the Lord opened Sue's heart. I don't think there's a Sue here. Forgive me if there is. Or the Lord opened Otto's heart. It's our meaning and purpose. Not just in the physical creation, but the spiritual creation. Uh, the subject of the verb, uh, Genesis 1, is uh, uh, Elohim, God. Uh, created the heavens and earth, the merism. Heavens, earth, everything in between. Uh, and this summary statement in merism is followed by the specifics in verses 3 and following. And then the section ends in rest. When God is finished, He rests. That theology is picked up in the New Testament. Christ gives us spiritual rest. Because He finishes His work. Uh, in the truest sense of the word, uh, only God creates. I know sometimes you know, the, the painter creates a painting. But really only God can create. The painter needs things. He goes to the store and buys the paint and buys the brushes and whatever else he needs. An easel, a uh, blank canvas. 
God doesn't need any of that. He creates. Um, Isaiah 37, 16, O Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, who art enthroned above the cherubim, Thou art the God, Thou alone of all the kingdoms of the earth. Thou hast made heaven and earth. He's the Maker. Essential, essential element of our Christian faith uh, because he, he makes us and then He gives us talents and skills. And uh, certainly in sanctification, we participate in bettering those things, but not in justification at all. So it's a great, uh, great hope and great reminder. Uh, and it's also important to realize that God commands the creation in the Scripture. It's like He commanded Lydia's heart to open. He does the same thing for each of us uh, in forming nations. Uh, when uh, the nation of Israel was in a state of chaos and disorder in Egypt, uh, God, God comes and secures their release. Uh, and when the armies of Pharaoh are pursuing them to drive them, notice into the waters. Uh, here, uh, the Spirit of God is hovering over the waters. Uh, Pharaoh is trying to shove the nation and drown them. Exodus says, uh, 14.29, The sons of Israel walked on dry land through the midst of the sea, and the waters were like a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. Thus the Lord saved Israel. So he's creating, he's not really creating land, but he's creating out of this watery grave a land bridge. God's command, ability to command the creation to save his people. Should inform your faith. Because you and I get in lots of trouble in life sometimes. God is always able to make a way of escape. 1 Corinthians. Um, Isaiah 51. Again, the nation of Israel, as you know, has uh, returned to a state of disorder and chaos and darkness and their idolatry. God sends them into captivity in Babylon. And then He's going to release them from Babylon. Isaiah 51.9 Awake, awake, put on strength, O arm of the Lord. Awake as in the days of old, the generations of long ago. Was it not thou who cut Rahab in pieces? Reference to Egypt, Pharaoh, who pierced the dragon. Verse 10, was it not thou who dried up the sea? Notice the imagery reduplicating uh, the Exodus account and really ultimately spinning all the way back to Genesis 1.1. God hovers over the seas to create His people. Picked up again by John, Revelation chapter 12. Um, Satan is pursuing uh, to destroy uh, the, the people of God. And uh, John says, "...and the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened its mouth and drank up the river." which the dragon poured out of its mouth. All I'm suggesting is that this theology just spins everywhere in the Scripture, reminding us that our God, because He is, he is our Creator, uh, he, he is able to keep and to preserve us. 
and to create ways of escape to rescue us and to save us. Uh, so never, uh, never despair because of who God is. The, uh, the pre-creation uh, account that I believe uh, is, uh, is found in verse 2 uh, reads, And the earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. One of the reasons I always kind of trouble over this verse is, you know, when God creates, He creates order and beauty and majesty. So, what is this here? It's telling me that something terrible has happened. Darkness was over the surface, surface of the deep and the Spirit was moving over the surface of the waters. Formless, void, and darkness. All three descriptions imply something terrible has happened. Namely, judgment. Uh, the text does not tell us what happened. Uh, it may be suggestive of a rebellion. And that's why there's now chaos. Turn with me, if you would, to uh, something that suggests this, to prophet Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 28. Uh, this is a, a condemnation upon an evil ruler, but it's picked up in a language that is satanic. Uh, Ezekiel 28, verses 13 to 16. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Well, Tyre was not in Eden. Uh, but he is a satanic figure, so judgment is coming upon him. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering, the ruby, the topaz, the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, and the jasper, the lapis, lazuli, turquoise, and the emerald, and the gold, the workmanship of your settings and sockets was in you. On the day you were created, they were prepared. You were anointed cherub who covers, and I placed you there. Uh, you were on the holy mountain of God. You walked in the midst of the stones of fire. You were blameless in your ways in the day you were created until unrighteousness was found in you. It's a mirror of the satanic fall. And so Satan fell and the earth was judged uh, into a chaotic estate. Uh, The, uh, this string of words, uh, formless, void, and darkness, one of those words, the second in the, the trio, is used in Isaiah chapter 34 in verse 11. If you want to turn back a couple of chapters, Isaiah 34, 11. But pelican and hedgehog shall possess it, and owl and raven shall dwell in it, and he shall stretch over it the line of desolation and the plumb line of emptiness. It's going to become void. Context is judgment from the nation of Israel because of their idolatry and unclean animals fill the land now because the land has become unclean. The reference to a plumb line is a construction metaphor meaning that God is going to dismantle the land and tear it down namely the nation, and send it off into uh, captivity in Babylon. Both of these words, formless and void, are used in Jeremiah. Just one 
a prophet ahead, Jeremiah chapter 4. Just a recounting of uh, the issue of judgment in these words, formless and void, as well as darkness. Jeremiah chapter 4, verses 22 to 23. For my people are foolish. They know me not. They're stupid children. They have no understanding. They are shrewd to do evil. But to do good, they do not know. I looked on the earth, and behold, it was formless and void. And to the heavens, and they had no light. So God's going to judge it. We're going to turn it into a chaotic estate in the Babylonian invasion. Uh, Israel's foolishness had dismantled the beauty and order of God's spiritual creation. Tragic story. It's a story of history, really. But not our history. Because we belong to the great Creator and His spiritual creation. Uh, the condition is uh, darkness. Uh, again, um, reference, uh, I, I think, to judgment. Um, furthermore, the, the sea, uh, darkness is over the surface of the deep, the deep being the sea. The sea speaks to chaos and danger. Uh, when you read the great prophetic literature, uh, Daniel has a vision of four great beasts that come out of the sea. Um, John does the same thing in uh, Revelation 13.1. I saw great beasts coming out of the sea. Because the sea is evil. Danger and chaos. Um, Revelation 21.1, I saw a new heaven and new earth. New heaven, new earth, the Creator. Continually making things. But the first heaven, the first earth passed away and there's no longer any sea. So spiritual darkness uh, unravels life and speaks to chaos and disorder. Uh, and throughout our text in the study of Genesis, Whenever men reject the divine order, chaos ensues that ends in death and darkness. Uh, it's true on the uh, macro level of the history of all civilizations, but also in the individual level, uh, when men reject God, um, becomes utterly destructive. Uh, life unravels. When one rejects God, they reject wisdom, they become empty and void. So it's this interplay continually. Reminding us from Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 and 2, to hear the word of the Lord, to obey the word of the Lord, for to turn away from it is to unravel one's life, as well as one's nation. Illustration of this interplay in Isaiah uh, chapter uh, 28 uh, in verses 15 and 16. Because you have said we have made a covenant with death and with Sheol we have made a pact 
The overwhelming scourge will not reach us when it passes by. For we have made falsehood our refuge, and we have concealed ourselves with deception. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a tested stone, a costly cornerstone for the foundation firmly placed. He who believes in it will not be disturbed. So the nation's turning away, so what does God do? He makes a provision. We, we know that this is uh, fulfilled uh, in, our, in our Savior. Uh, Matthew chapter 21, uh, verses 43 to 44. Beautiful reminder. God is always saving. He's always coming. He's always standing before the Lydia's of this world. Opening hearts. Uh, foundational to uh, our entire lives. Uh, is that God is present in His providence. So, Matthew 21, verses 43-44. to 44. Therefore I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you, speaking to uh, the rulers of Israel, and be given to a nation producing the fruit of it. He who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, but on whomever it falls, it will scatter him like dust. So we, we fall upon that stone. Uh, the stone which the builders rejected. The nation of Israel rejected the cornerstone. It was Christ. And so they're broken up like dust. Scattered. Uh, but we, by God's grace, um, fall upon that stone uh, and, and trust in Him. Whomever it falls will be scattered like dust. So, uh, we we come to base our lives on on the cornerstone. Construction metaphor signifies that uh, uh, God is the creator of life. And when life is rejected, an utter dismantling occurs in judgment. It's a synopsis of history. Individual illustration of this in. Uh, Evil man Joseph Stalin. I mean, you know, he initially, uh, as a young man, started out uh, in a seminary career. He rejects it, uh, becomes uh, a communist. What have I been saying? Whenever you reject the word and reject God, disorder, chaos, and destruction occurs. So he was what? The murderer of. I don't know, 10 to 20 million of his own countrymen. His entire kingdom was based on lies and deception. Illustrating what I'm suggesting to you is when men turn away from God consciously, disorder, chaos ensues. But you don't need to go to seminary. Go to Christ though. The Creator of the hope of the world who holds all things together, who is able to restore order and beauty and recreate. And we will see this when, he, uh, when, when, when God creates uh, and restores order from the chaos beginning in verse 3 and then says repeat, repeatedly, it is good. What God does is good. It's a reason to go to Christ because whatever He does is good. Restores order. 
Deuteronomy 32.11, like an eagle that stirs up its nest, that hovers over its young. Imagery here, the word hover there is the word, uh, the, the, the spirit hovering over the surface of the deep about to create order. And now the spirit of God uh, is, is hovering over the nation about to make and effect restoration. And he spreads uh, his wings and caught them and carried them on his pinions. Story of redemption. Uh, Moses picks this up again in Exodus 19.4. You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to Myself. Been a higher key, I'd have <laughs> chimed in. So, uh, I mean, what am I saying to each of us foundational to our lives, foundational to our faith, foundation to meaning and purpose and order, foundational as to why we should uh, obey God? I mean, Exodus uh, 40, 31. Uh, we shall mount up with wings like eagles, run and not be weary and walk and not faint. The restoration truly breaks upon the church. The great hope of trusting God is that He brings order and beauty. He can turn to good what was once empty and vain. That's why we follow Him. That's why He is our every hope and dream. Because we have a tendency to create Disorder from order. And He can do the opposite. And so it is when we come to Christ. He begins the slow process of forming that which is beautiful. Compelling reason, I think, of the Gospel. To come to the Savior. Again, to restate, He can turn to good what was once empty and vain. Exactly what He's going to do in Genesis 1. But He does it all of the time. And so while individuals and sometimes nations deconstruct themselves, we have the sovereign Creator who saves and restores and who reverses the curse and turns it to blessings in His Son and in His Word. Grace Bible Church, we give our attention to the Word of God. The Word of God that begins in Genesis and the Lord said, let there be light. There was darkness, and then he says, let there be light. And there was light. So, compelling reason to believe. To follow the Word. Hear the Word. Obey the Word. Keep the Word. Hide it in your heart. Because of the beauty and the majesty and the order that it creates and forms in our lives. And that will, as you know, see us to the end when He will make all things new. And we will be returned to the pristine estate, the glorified sons of God. Uh, should be our hope. A theology should break upon all of our lives and beckon us to follow and obey. It's our desire here. And uh, I trust we will uh, do it better and better by His sovereign grace.